Hello, and welcome to Data Learners. Hello, hello. This is Tori, once again. Welcome back. And this is Sami. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Yeah. Today's topic, aside from checking with me, is going to be um, a little bit about New Year's resolutions and how we maybe get some of those done, especially when it comes to learning about data science. Yeah, definitely. That sounds fun. We should start off with how are Oakland parking tickets coming along? What's new? So I did a few things. Not a lot of things. The holidays got in the way, like I said last time, spending time with family, nephews, and wonderful people. So what I did was I got an account with Google Cloud Services. So that way I can ping their API and request information from it. They do this really cool thing where like they give you $300 of credit. So like for me, who is not a professional data science person and is just doing this as a hobby, it's a really great deal. My goal with that project is to collect addresses from the Oakland um, CSV file that I've gotten from them and then to iterate through the addresses that are on there for each ticket and send it to the Google API and get back a latitude and longitude. Okay, cool. And then what do you do with that lat long? So this is what I was thinking. I also have a little data frame, a pandas data frame, of the neighborhoods in Oakland. And each of those neighborhoods has a lat long that's the center of those neighborhoods. And so what I was thinking I could do is like use a little Pythagorean theorem and figure out which address is closest to, or which center of the neighborhood is closest to the address. And that should be a pretty good approximation for the neighborhood that an address is in. I tried looking at the borders that Google gives for the different neighborhoods and they just don't match up to the map at all, which is weird. Oh, really? There's messy real-world data? Really messy real-world data. So I was like, how do I go around this? And I looked at where the lat longs were on the map, and it actually kind of corresponds to where the center of, like, actual mapping of neighborhoods is. So I figured it's not, like, amazing, but it's a really good approximation. When you go from one neighborhood to another neighborhood, there isn't going to be a huge difference in, like, income from street to street. And also, just because it's in a certain neighborhood doesn't mean that that street falls into what the majority of that neighborhood is. So I feel like my approximation is as messy as the world and shouldn't cause that huge of a difference in the data. Would you say you're doing a nearest neighborhood? Yes, nearest neighborhood search. Yeah, I think either way you solve this problem, it is valid because neighborhoods are so granular that it shouldn't affect the outcome too much. But it is an assumption. Mm -hmm. So is there a test you could design to quickly prove your assumption? Like, have you looked at the income for neighborhoods that are right next to each other and seen what difference there is? Since that's like at the crux of your I should have done that before coming in today. That's an assumption I'm making. So maybe I I could do a quick just look. I'm sure that there are some big differences. But also, I don't think that the neighborhood boundary is going to be the greatest approximation for that income difference either. I wonder if I would go there and drive at it if I'd see like the difference between like Piedmont and Oakland. Right? Obviously, those are two different cities, um, but you can imagine that there might be a huge difference on one street to one street that might still be in Oakland. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think there there can be big differences. Like the freeway frequently divides the neighborhood, the neighborhoods, and mm-hmm. the difference between them is pretty large in some areas of Oakland. Yeah. So. Okay, so I have to do a little more investigatory and like just like looking at it, due diligence. Looking at it is one way, but also like could you design a quick experiment to validate your hypothesis? So the hypothesis is like adjacent neighborhoods have. Similar incomes, incomes. Mo- that are more similar than non-adjacent neighborhoods. Or go back to the drawing wor- board and find a more rigorous way to associate an address with a neighborhood that doesn't make that assumption. I feel like those are your two paths forward. I like the first path. Okay. Of coming with a little test that adjacent neighborhoods have more similar incomes than non-adjacent neighborhoods. Yeah. I want that to be an assumption I can just make, though. <laughs> I would say for, like, where you're at in the project, I would continue with the project and okay. just note in your write-up that, like, you made this huge assumption. Okay. And that that's okay. a follow-up. So this is do. a huge assumption. Because I want you to, to like, get, mm-hmm. feel that you have done this project and made the significant progress. Okay. And I don't want you to get held up with, like, this incredibly hard geolocation problem, which right. we knew when... You brought this up to me. I was like, was oh, that's a hard data was, set. Yeah. And you were like, I can do it. <laughs> well, I'm okay with making yeah. this kind of assumption because I don't think... Okay, it is a huge assumption, but I think it's one that I would like bet money on. Yeah. No, I think it's fair. That's just the way that you... That's just yes, an example of the how data, we do science. data science. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I can imagine a scenario in that like two neighborhoods or three or four neighborhoods across a certain border like a freeway border, have vastly different incomes, right? And then we accidentally take a whole grouping of like a really popular street to get tickets on and attribute it to the wrong neighborhood. Yeah. That's kind of the scenario that would ruin. And then part of that is also taking out outliers. For instance, if I'm looking at like the airport, the most tickets in Oakland happen <laughs> on airport way oh, <laughs> near man. the Coliseum. Like, I think I have to take that outlier out if I'm talking about like residential neighborhoods. Ooh. That's true. Have you done um, like a basic da- data exploration to look for outliers and stuff like that? I don't that know yet? what a basic data exploration is. Just so looking at the distribution of your data points, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're going to model something, the a lot of the models have an assumption like your data must have this specific distribution to be able to use this model, right? Without like violating its underlying right. Parameters and then you have to take validity. the data out and like explain that you've taken this data out if you mm-hmm. have that kind of thing. Okay, I have done it. Taken a quick look. There are like a couple streets in Oakland that are definitely outlier streets. Like one, the Oakland Coliseum, Airport Drive near the airport, kind of these big commercial venues or places. So, so far, that's I've gotten my Google Cloud web services thingy, and I've made a couple data frames of neighborhoods and incomes, and I had the lat longs of the neighborhoods in those data frames. I imported or exported the CSV files from the Oakland uh, city website. And so I've accessed that and turned it into a little data frame that I can use. And what I have to do is now iterate through the addresses to get lat longs. And then once I have the lat longs, latitude and longitudes, I have to take those and do like a kind of Pythagorean theorem program. Tell me about the Pythagorean theorem plan. So that's just to find distance. And when I say distance, I mean the way the curve flies. The theorem for Pythagorean theorem is a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Mm-hmm. 
And so what I can do really easily is say, okay, I can subtract my latitudes, subtract my longitudes, right? Square and add them. Yeah, exactly. Square and add them and then root the result of that, which gives me the just straight up line distance between the center point of the neighborhood and the address that I'm querying. Okay. I think that makes sense in terms of finding the distance. So do you have to loop through every... Address? Yeah, every neighborhood center for every ticket to find the closest one? The way I'm thinking of it now, yes. Okay. So I guess I could make that calculation simpler for my computer to do and take less time for my computer to do. If it was like a huge data set, mm -hmm. I might think of doing that and saying, okay, if you're in this region or on this street, then you can like reduce it by street names to what neighborhoods you should actually check. Mm -hmm. Right. I could go through and I'm sure there are multiple tickets at multiple addresses and say, okay, if it's this address, then the calculation's already done. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's assuming that the addresses aren't I guess I'd have to do something to make sure the addresses are spelled the same. There's no errors in data entry. The thing I like about doing it every time is that Google has a lot of that done. So uh, there are a lot of ways I think I could reduce the amount of work my computer's doing. Do I need to? I don't think so. How many tickets are you going to process? That's in the order of... I have no idea. <laughs> no, I don't know how okay, okay. So the, the CSV file, I think, is 12,000 kilobytes. Oh, okay. That's small data. Yeah, and that's why I was like, eh, not a big deal. All right. So I'm kind of curious about your experience with the Google Cloud APIs. I think that's maybe not something a lot of people have done yet, especially at like an early stage of a project. Usually it's more common to start with the CSV. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you could walk me through what that process looked like for you. Yeah. I mean, let me pull up my little file. It's a super short script that I wrote to ping the API and be able to send an address in and get back an XML file um, of the different fields. So, Did you get to choose the, the format of the response? No. I'm, I'm sure there's maybe a setting I can change, like JSON or something like that, but yeah. I don't mind parsing through an XML file. I Googled just how to do it. And there's a bunch of videos on how to get what you want out of it. I think also the Python for everybody course on Coursera goes through and actually has you do that too. So it made it pretty easy. Cool. So you're using a Python script with the request package. Obviously you signed up for an account and that gave you the API key. You're just mm -hmm. plugging that into your script and you're running that from your terminal. Where do you dump your data as you're returning it? I'm just printing it right now. And then... Uh, that, okay, there's a whole bunch that needs to happen here. <laughs> there's a whole bunch. I have like the basic structure of things. Mm -hmm. My goal is I want to put it back into the initial CSV file. Okay. So that way it's all just together. I'm not making a second data frame. So you have a couple options here. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you can just read this more or less directly into a pandas data frame from within this script. Mm -hmm. And then Pandas has the option to export as a CSV if you want to keep your stuff stored that way, which I would recommend just store your intermediate files as you're creating them. Gotcha. Eventually, of course, you you'll come back through them. and join them. Yeah. yeah. What I could do is off the bat, when I do that kind of like, here's the latitude longitude, then run a script that says what neighborhood it's in and make a completely different CSV file like immediately afterwards instead of having to like do all this redundancies about like. Yeah, you could. You could do the mapping right here with all within one script. Okay. 
Cool. Well, I'll figure it out. We'll do it. It's small enough that it's under like a couple hundred lines of code. Yeah. yeah. Right. You I have a bunch that. of comments in here that I yeah. Put too, so, so this isn't um, like a huge amount of logic. No, this to is put just a query. Script. Yeah. No, it's super simple. Cool. Which is also what I like about this project. It's not like some complex statistical model that I have to run. It's just a very good basic get data from the internet. Use data from the internet. <laughs> Done. Yeah. I feel um, like we will have an opportunity to flesh out what use data from the internet is going to mean for this project. Yeah. We haven't really thought through that a lot. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get I'm there. I'm getting there. It's part of the learning process. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of the learning process, I guess that brings us to our next topic, which is what strategies did you have when you were learning this stuff? Do you still have as a current data scientist? And how did you like motivate yourself to learn? Yeah, that's a good question. I do feel like the learning process when I was getting started is a lot different from my learning process now. Mm-hmm. Whereas the learning process when I was just getting started was more similar to what you would typically do in a school setting where I would like take a course and work through lessons mm-hmm. because I was literally starting from nothing. Gotcha. Um, whereas now that I have a good foundation of knowledge, I pretty much am only looking for like one specific piece of learning at a time that's okay. going to help me with the project. So for that, I'll, I maybe would just go straight into the technical documentation or even straight into the source code of a library to learn how they're doing it. So it's more like pick and choose. Yeah. Or you might like see some sort of example on the internet and only want like part of it and be like, oh, I'm just going to use this little piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How cool. are you approaching learning? I, I think I'm on the taking full courses. And then like for and then like using pieces of that course to do whatever I want. Much of it is just because I don't know the basics. For me, a lot of it is once you learn good fundamentals, good basics, it's easier to do new things. And so part of what I'm doing is doing my learning ahead of time a little bit. I think I'm maybe doing too much of that. If I want to feel and continue to be motivated, it's nice when I've got a project. I did this project and I learned these skills for this project, and it's easier to remember things that way. And so that's kind of where I'm at is I want to switch more to learning my skills through doing as opposed to like taking a course that has me do things but it's just kind of like i don't have my own stamp on it in some ways um, it doesn't feel as much something that i want to do it's more something that i'm doing to learn just for learning's sake which is fun but not necessarily my goal with data science in some ways i want to get insights and use data science as a tool for that and i support that approach too it's a trend that i've seen in hiring where sometimes i have a candidate come in and they more or less can give by the book technical answers to a question, like a definition question, mm-hmm. a foundational question, like what are the assumptions of a linear regression? Mm-hmm. And they can list off like they're reading from a book. Gotcha. Um, but if I ask them something that's a little bit more open-ended about how they would approach a project and there's not necessarily one right or wrong answer, but definitely numerous correct approaches they could take, they don't really know where to start. Mm-hmm. So I think going through a project will show you more of what you really would do on the job as opposed to like mm-hmm. what you could learn. And like better course. for hiring and such like Way that. better too. for hiring. Yeah. I can think sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Learning to think for yourself is a big part of it. Kind of like we were just walking through like, oh, well, how do you test your assumptions on this project? Right. That's not something that you'll learn in a, cor- in a course, right? Right. Beyond that, it's also kind of, I think this is really big, especially for people who are learning data science is, how do you motivate yourself to learn? What are some things you do to make sure that you're making progress? I, I know that for between Thanksgiving and New Year's, I stalled out, right? I had a bunch of work stuff I had to do. I had 
a bunch of family and friends to see. Everybody was in town. And instead of, you know, spending my obligatory hour a day that turns into two or three hours, it was zero. <laughs> so I, I talked to a couple friends who have learned to program on their own. And the message that I heard across the board was starting is half the battle. Just sitting down in front of the computer, getting your workspace open and set up. If you can do that and work for 20 minutes, right, either you're going to be productive or you're not going to be productive. And then if you can decide to continue at that point, as opposed to going into a thing, I need to finish this one topic or this one idea. And then when you don't finish it, it's like a failure in some ways. It's more about just starting. Yeah. Just getting started, and I think as well, like sometimes the barrier to getting started is when your project is looming over you so huge, mm -hmm. and you're not really sure like what is the next step I can actually take and complete within 20 minutes or even two hours. Right. Like some of the stuff that you're doing takes a long time, mm -hmm. so that can be a little overwhelming. For me though, consistency is really key. Mm -hmm. So if I go like a week without programming, mm -hmm. it's so much harder to just get back into the flow as opposed to just doing a little bit every day or even every couple mm -hmm. days. It kind of raises another point that I think gets glossed over or skipped a lot when you're learning about data science, but it's really important when you start doing it is documenting what you do, which is mm -hmm. like you write down your steps to get this program to run right. as you're doing it so that when you come back in three weeks, you mm -hmm. can do it again without having to look stuff up. Or if someone else has to look at your code, they know what you did. Yeah, so it was really important to use good good comments like you're saying mm -hmm. or to write a readme file. Yeah. Do you have a solid next step? Like, what are we going to talk about next week? Goals for next week? I guess I, I kind of put you on the spot, but one thing that helps is, like, before mm -hmm. I leave work for the day, like, I know what my next steps in yeah. the morning will be. I, I okay. remember them, right? <laughs> you got to write it down. Yeah. Documentation. Um, I think that next week I want to have gone through and sent all of my addresses through the Google API to get latitudes and longitudes. Okay. That sounds good. Like that's just a nice small project for a week, especially if I'm like working and doing other projects to to be able to do. Yeah, that's solid. Okay. Cool. You heard it here next week. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Mm -hmm.